And now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello everyone and welcome to Witness Radio, the only show that doesn't care about ratings because the sole purpose is to save souls. On purpose. Visit us on the web at witnesstalkradio.org or find us on Facebook. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak, and today we'll be prodding the pews of the American church. We're going to start with a clip I found on YouTube. This is a video blog from the famous comedian and atheist, Penn Gillette. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy, and. Um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the you know, the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night, and he walked over to me and he said. Um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you," and he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not, getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth 
telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like your show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man, and... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Studies have shown that only 2% of Christians actively share their faith, and 68% of believers don't even think evangelism is important. In fact, 75% cannot define the Great Commission. What's worse, most Christians have a wrong and unbiblical view of the gospel. Think about it right now. How many of you listening have attempted to verbally share your faith in the past week or the past month, the past year? Well, what is the main task of every believer in Jesus Christ? Well, if we go to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we find out that Jesus gave a command. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Acts 1.8 also says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So now, as Christians here in America, what have we been doing? Well, we've been having potlucks and activities, prayer meetings and conferences, and we are not short of any programs to keep us busy. But there is one thing that we are lacking, one thing that we are not doing, and that is evangelism, sharing our faith, witnessing, spreading the good news of the gospel, obeying the command that Christ gave us. What are we supposed to be doing? Share the gospel. Evangelize. That's the whole reason we are here on this earth. If there was no need for us to evangelize, no need for us to witness to the lost, why wouldn't Christ just take us home the second we repent and believe in the gospel? No, he has a specific purpose for us here on this earth. The goal is the gospel. Now, the other stuff isn't wrong, you know, activities and programs and conferences. That It's not bad to do those things. But we can't be sidetracked by all that stuff. Oswald J. Smith said, 
Oh my friends, we are loaded down with countless church activities, while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing and winning the lost, is almost entirely neglected. I want to share with you a letter from an atheist. Yeah, I know, two atheist references in the same show, it's got to be some kind of record. But this letter was written to Ray Comfort of Living Waters Ministry says, Ray, you are really convinced that you've got all the answers. You've really got yourself tricked into believing that you're 100% right. Well, let me tell you just one thing. Do you consider yourself to be compassionate of other humans? If you're right, as you say you are, and believe that, then how can you sleep at night? When you speak with me, you are speaking with someone who you believe is walking directly into eternal damnation into an endless onslaught of horrendous pain which your loving God created, yet you stand by and do nothing. If you believe one bit that thousands every day were falling into an eternal and unreachable fate, you should be running the streets mad with rage at their blindness. That's equivalent to standing on a street corner and watching every person that passes you walk blindly, and directly into the path of a bus and die. Yet you stand idly by and do nothing. You're just twiddling your thumbs, happy in the knowledge that one day that walk signal will shine your way across the road. Think about it. Imagine the horrors hell must have in store if the Bible is true. You're just going to allow that to happen and not care about saving anyone but yourself? If you're right, then you're an uncaring, unemotional, and purely selfish expletive that has no right to talk about subjects such as love and caring. Sincerely, James Franz, Atheist. So brethren, the atheists get it. Why don't we? Again, Penn Jillette said, How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. And James Franz said, imagine the horrors hell must have in store if the Bible is true. You're just going to allow that to happen and not care about saving anyone but yourself? If you're right, then you're uncaring, unemotional, and purely selfish. Now I have to ask, Christian, are you content to just sit in your seats? Where is your burden for lost souls? Do you not care that sinners are condemned to spend an eternity in the lake of fire? What reason could you have to not share the gospel? Well, you know, I've actually heard many reasons given. Let's go through a few of them and see what the Bible has to say. Some people say that evangelism is not my gift, calling, or job. Or they like to throw in, I'm an introvert. Well, the Bible says, Mark 16:15, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. There is no if or but. It's a simple command. Go. Do it. Share your faith. Doesn't matter. You need to do it. Maybe you're afraid of rejection, or getting beat up, or being made fun of. 
The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Proverbs 29.25 Do you have a lack of knowledge, or you don't know what to say, or don't know enough? Maybe you're afraid that you'll get asked questions about certain topics that you don't know anything about. Bible says we need to always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. It doesn't say we need to know about every religion under the sun. It doesn't need, say we need to know about evolution and atheism and all this other junk out there. We need to know the answer for the hope that lies within us. We need to know about Jesus. And you know that if you are saved. You know about Jesus. And you know what he's done for you. Some people say it's not the right time. And they want to build relationships before they share their faith. Well, Second Corinthians 6.2 says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Someone could very easily die while you are waiting to build a relationship. You know, I once was part of a homeless ministry, and, you know, they would uh, feed people hot dogs and whatnot, and, you know, eventually they would get around to sharing the gospel. And I got to thinking, what happens if they choke and die on that hot dog you just fed them before you share the gospel with them? Well, if they're not saved, they're going to hell. We don't want that, right? Maybe you think you're a poor speaker. Moses thought he was a poor speaker too, and God still used him. Matthew ten nineteen and 20 says, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak, or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. As long as we are faithful to the Lord, He can use us, no matter how horrible we think we are. Remember, you're a wretched sinner, saved by grace, just like me, and God can use all of us. Maybe you're too busy, too much going on in your life. The Bible says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23 Maybe you just don't want to offend anyone. Well, in Galatians 5.11, Paul mentions that the cross is offensive. And 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's folly. The word of the cross is, is foolishness. They don't understand it. It's going to be offensive. The last reason that I've heard is, and this is the one that I, I hear the most often, I'm trying to be a silent witness. I, I like to live the gospel and let people know Jesus through my life. Romans 10.14 how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? What's the difference between your nice lifestyle and a Mormon's nice lifestyle? Nothing to the unbeliever. And you see, going through all these reasons, I've come to realize something. Any reason for not sharing the gospel 
is actually just an excuse. An excuse for disobedience. Look back at those reasons. You notice a common thread in them? It's self. You see, the real reason behind each of those excuses is pride. You don't want to put yourself out there. You don't want to make yourself uncomfortable. Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about pride. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. It also says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. 1 John 2:15 and 16 Charles Spurgeon said, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. You know, Charlie brings up a good point. When was the last time you took a good look at your spiritual walk? I mean, have you ever examined yourself in the light of Scripture? Second Corinthians 13.5 says, To examine yourselves, to see whether you are in the faith, to test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Are you really a Christian? Have you been truly saved? Don't get upset with me for asking that question. Get upset with God's Word, because that's what it says. In fact, Jesus made mention of this. In Matthew 7, he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's Matthew seven twenty-one through 23 Jesus himself knew about the hypocrites that professed him as their Lord. What about you? I want to share with you very quickly something that happened to me not too long ago. I went somewhere, I think it was to a hospital or something, and I went and parked on a street, side street. Uh, wasn't any sign saying that I shouldn't park there or anything. And a couple hours later, I come back to my car, and there's a parking ticket sitting on, on my windshield. And boy, man, you know, I was furious. I was so upset because I looked around. I, I even double-checked once I saw that ticket. There were n there were no signs whatsoever that that where I parked was an illegal parking spot. I wasn't in the middle of the street or anything. I I was off on an actual concrete pad spot, so it appeared like I was in a good parking spot. There were no warning signs. And even though I tried to fight this ticket and took pictures and everything and proved my case, the courts still came back and said, you're guilty. You need to pay the fine. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that they are guilty. They haven't seen any warning signs. 
But even if you don't realize that the law has been broken, you're still guilty. And no matter what, justice must be satisfied. The fine must be paid. So let me look at a couple of warning signs with you so that you will not be caught off guard. Bible says that coveting is wrong. Do you know what coveting is? That's when you uh, greedily desire something that you, that is not yours. So say you greedily desire the person's fancy car down the street. It may lead you to steal that fancy car. It may lead you to uh, hate that person for owning that fancy car. Coveting is a starter sin, but it is a sin nonetheless. And here's what the Bible says is the punishment for those who covet. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy. Greed is another word for covet. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But maybe you don't think coveting is a big deal. What about lying? It doesn't matter what type of lie you've told. If it's a big lie, a little lie, a white lie, a half-truth, a partial fib, uh, stretching the truth. It's all lying because it's not 100% truth. And Revelation 21.8 says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, no distinction, all of them. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's pretty big punishment. But maybe you're still not sold on how serious sin is. Have you ever murdered anybody? Probably not if you're listening to my show. But God doesn't stop at the actual action of murder. He looks at the thought life. He looks at your heart before the act is committed. If you've hated someone, it's the same as murder in God's eyes. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Let me read it again. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3.15 Even hatred is wrong in the eyes of God. He requires absolute perfection, which means that we've all broken the rules. We've all broken the law. And like I said earlier, the fine must be paid. Justice must be served. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What must we do? What can we do? Nothing. We Do we have no hope of being saved from a fiery death? We do have hope, because the rest of Romans 6.23 says this, that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God provided the payment for our sin. First Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He was 100% God, but 100% human at the same time. 
and he was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. He never lied. He never coveted. He never hated. And even though he never broke the law, even though he didn't deserve death, he died on a cross to take our place so that we might take his. Second Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ died on that cross 2,000 years ago to pay the fine that we deserve to pay, to take the punishment that we deserve to have. But the best part is this, he rose again on the third day, defeating death and hell, and offering you and me an opportunity, a chance, at eternal life, even though we don't deserve it. He is the propitiation for our sins, or the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. First John 2.2 2. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 Where do we go from here? How can we have that payment credited to our account? How can we be saved from hell? Jesus said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark one fifteen. Repent. That's kind of an old word. Not a lot of people understand what that means. It means to have a change of heart, a change of mind. We need to turn away from our sin. Lying, stealing, coveting, murder, hatred. Turn away from it and turn to God through Jesus Christ. It's like doing a 180. If you go into a building and you decide you no longer want to be in that building, what must you do? You need to turn around and go back out the door. That's what we need to do if we are to be saved. We need to turn around turn away from our sinfulness, the sinful ways that we were going in, the sinful desires that we long after, that we chase after. We need to turn away from it and turn to Jesus by believing in the gospel. Not just believing that Jesus was real, not just believing that it was a good story. No, we need to trust Jesus with everything. Trust him to take care of you. Trust him to pay that penalty for you. It's like jumping out of an airplane at 10,000 feet. Someone offers you a parachute. You say, that's a nice parachute. I believe that parachute is real. But you jump without it. It will not do you any good. You need to put it on. You need to entrust your life to that parachute. And I say to you that you need to entrust your life to Jesus Christ. Turn away from your sins and entrust your life to the one who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day to pay for your sins. Entrust your life to him, and he will grant you eternal life. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Proverbs 28.13 It also says in 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you done that? Have you 
repented of your sin? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Don't put it off. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now. You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know when you're going to face the judge. And he knows every deed you've ever done. Get right with him today, right now. Call out to him in prayer. Ask him to forgive you. Confess your sins to him. Turn away from your sins. Put your trust in Jesus. Beg God for his forgiveness, for his mercy and grace. Thank you for listening to the show today. Again, if you want more information, witnesstalkradio.org. And until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. May God bless you. Writings. You're listening to Witness Radio with Ryan Muriak. <coughs> but we like Ryan. <coughs> we do. Just go to witnesstalkradio.org. <laughs>